Does your worship service stink? Or does the high wear off too quickly? Do you find yourself just going along for the ride, swept up in the emotion at the time, but not really having much to show for throughout the week? Today on Interman Radio, we will change your concept of worship in a way. Yes! That will radically transform your life. I can't wait. Welcome to Interman Radio, where we help you accomplish more than you thought you could. (laughs) 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 Through Christ's power working in us! Ooh, that's good. Regardless of what your pastor said last week, Mark, take it away. So let's drop the excuses. Let's pick up our Bibles. Hey, let's prepare to win. Let's do it. Today's world, Mark, there's a thousand different worship styles. There's contemporary, classical. By the way, nice opening. That yeah. was. <laughs> if any of you are wondering how edited this is, you Professional. just. Professional. Yeah. That's right. Well, you got the Latin, you've got cowboy church, you've got all kinds of different things. People are trying to be close to God yeah. in the worship service, and I'm using that term the way, the way most of the Christian world uses it. Yeah, and that's a good thing. It is. It is a good thing. Um, The problem here is this, though. Many of these experiences leave us either unfulfilled or at the time they feel good, but there's not a lot to show for it throughout the week. Uh, Why is it that we often feel on Monday morning like we had such a great worship experience on Sunday, but we feel like we've got to reboot it again? And Or why is it that we feel like our experience on Sunday isn't all that great to begin with? I guess my question here is, Mark, is is this really worship or is it fake? Well, it's it's related to worship, but the problem is so many times in, in our religious cultures, we've been conditioned to think that worship is a feeling. It's that intense, tears coming down, I want to be with God kind of yearning. And while that's not a bad thing in and of itself, that's not something that we take with us at all times of the week. It's the same problem, really, that we see in a lot of relationships. The world tries to show us that relationships are all about romance. It's all Mm -hmm. about the candles. It's all about that first kiss. But, hey, relationships are a lot more work than that. Right. If we're relying on Barry White to keep the relationship alive, we're in big trouble. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because those records wear out. <laughs> they do. But, Not that I know. I yeah. know I <laughs> but but that's, you know, and, and so we've got a whole generation of people growing up who, who think that, that marriage, that, that love, is that kind of overwhelming feeling of infatuation. And when that wears off, they think something's wrong or that they've got to find somebody else or that it's broken. I think the same kind of problems are showing up when people try and adapt that to their relationship with God. They want a overwhelming emotional experience, an infatuation with God that more than what they can handle drives them to their knees, but that's not a long-term solution. Our relationships, both marriage and with God, 
are the results of decisions that we made. They're not a result of pulling out that classic record. They're not a result of, you know, singing that particular worship song that really puts us in the space where we can relate to God. Those are built on decisions rather than just our circumstances. All right, so a little bit of disclaimer, everybody. In case you haven't picked it up in past episodes, you know, Mark is a very logical person. I and appreciate that. Yes. That's, that's it, better than you could have said it. it, it and, and we love that about, about Mark Miller. Uh, and and uh, Mark, you are a very organized person who, who attacks things from that angle, and you like to have things sorted out and compartmentalized. You're just not my laundry. If you were to, It doesn't okay. apply in every area okay, okay. of my life. <laughs> disclaimer there. Now, on the other hand, and I like to think of myself as logical, but the minute I start talking about something, I'll be off on a different subject. And, and so I tend to relate a little bit more to the emotional side of things. So when when people are listening to us talk about worship's not an emotion, I can hear half the people's brains just turn off and say, turn off. say well, maybe that works for your Einstein, you know, but but. But me, I, I am emotional, and my relationship with God is can be emotional, and and I do love God, and I do, I am moved to emotion in that relationship at times. But now you're telling me that worship's not an emotional. What are you like a robot or something? Well, see, when you hear half those brains clicking off, I hear the other half sharpening their <laughs> pencils. They're like, "Oh, this is finally somebody's speaking sense around here." <clears throat> But if we were to take the same thing and apply it to our marriage relationships, when I'm not feeling in love, it doesn't mean I'm not married. I mean, if oh, I ever we did got, feel that we way. We have to give them that point, guys. We have but, to do it. You know, that, that doesn't change the fact that I'm married and that my decision to love my wife is still just as strong in that moment as it is when we're taking our evening stroll. It doesn't change that fact. The same should be true with us with God. Our commitment to God... Our, our worship to God, which, is, which really describes our relationship with God, our relationship with God doesn't change just because we're driving the kids to soccer practice. We're still, we're still just as married to God at that moment as we are on Sunday morning. That shouldn't change. So this will sound a little bit academic, but prepare no, yourself. No. Get, just get ready. <laughs> you know, we get our word uh, worship from the Greek word proskuneo. Right. It means to kiss toward or to have that kind of, of affection based on respect that results in submission. Proskuneo is where we get our word prostrate. For you know, if somebody falls down prostrate as a an example of external physical submission, it's all tied together. So what we're looking at for worship is an internal attitude that is the the byproduct of a choice that I'm going to worship, I'm going to submit myself to God. Say again, please. What we're looking at for worship is an internal attitude that is the the byproduct of a choice that I'm going to worship, I'm going to submit myself to God. See, that's freeing because I can always have that choice. I'm going to be in submission to God right now. And I don't need anything else. You don't need the fog machine. Well, that would be handy. But no, I I don't need that. You don't need the seven-round chorus that's (laughs) slow that really gets you in the mood. 
that that just drives me insane, man. I can't lights. Do you need lights? No. So I guess really what you're saying is, but is, all that stuff strikes me as fake. All that yeah. stuff is is external. And we're in agreement on this, but I'm playing a little bit of a devil's advocate because because. I think one thing that we can uh, confuse at times is the fact that we're not saying that uh, that our attitude towards God has no emotion. We're not. This isn't Spock here, okay? Right. Okay, we're not robots. But at the same time, worshiping God, true life transformation worship, isn't the result of emotional mood music or are all the right settings because if that if it is then we're limiting our worship to these special little spaces yeah, where yeah. all the settings are just right the candles are lit just right and everything just like in the marriage relationship love is not limited to those instances where it's date night and everything's just right, right. if it is we really don't have a relationship and what you and I are talking That's about right. is having a relationship with God on the right terms all the time. All the time. Not limited by technology, not limited by somebody paid a salary to get us in that mood, not limited by any of those things, but true worship that can be emotional, but it's consistent and it's life transforming. That's right. See, we just have to make sure that we have the horse before the cart here. See, the decision to serve God, to submit ourselves to God, does generate some emotion. Right. And it doesn't take much to, to read through. Well, here's Psalm 132. When uh, when David writes this, he calls it a song of ascent. This is one of the songs that they would sing going up to the temple for the purpose of worship. So he says, Psalm 132 in, uh, in verse 7, he says, let us go into his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Notice the uh, you know, the lower position. Um, Footstool. Right, exactly. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, thou in the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and your godly ones sing for joy. David is not doing this detached from emotion. David is emotional. Right. And he's excited about that. But it comes on the basis of his decision, not the other way around. So his decision isn't based on the emotion of the moment. Right. The, his emotions are based on a lifelong commitment that he's made and, a, and an attitude that he has towards yes. God. Yeah, just like in our marriages. It's, it's exactly the same thing. Okay. Here, Keep- here's a great... Here's a great example of what that uh, of what that looks like in uh, Daniel, back Old Testament, Daniel chapter three. There's a number of uh, Hebrews who've been taken into uh, into Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is king at this time, and Nebuchadnezzar gets this great idea that he's going to build this huge image of himself. And everyone will worship it. What, side note, why is it that dictators all have that <laughs> same tendency? We need a statue. Yes. <laughs> And it, I mean, it just seems logical that everyone should bow down and worship the statue. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. So he passes the law, you know, throughout the land that, hey, when the music plays, everybody hits the deck. Everybody falls down. We're going to worship the statue. It's going to be great. So everybody gets together. You know, everybody's out in their finest to be seen. And sure enough, the band strikes up the tune. Here comes the chief. And... Everybody hits the deck, with the exception of these the three amigos, you know, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. And they don't bow. And that's a problem, because everybody else is bowing, but not them. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 14, he gets after him. He says, uh, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up. Now, if you are ready, I get the impression that you better be <laughs> you ready. You better be ready. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, all kinds of music, to fall down and worship 
the image that I have made very well. But if you will not worship, if you don't bow, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? He wants worship. Now, the devil wants worship. But worship, Jesus said, is reserved for God alone. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. only. Right. He's the only one who deserves that kind of obeisance, that kind of, of prostration in spirit. And that's that really is the foundation for our relationship with God, is that internal attitude of submission. Look at John chapter 4. John 4 is the best segment in the New Testament that deals with with worship. And it takes place in a really unlikely setting. Jesus is uh, passing through Samaria. It's something that most of the Jews did not do. He sent the disciples on ahead while he waits at the well. And while he's there, this woman shows up from Samaria and uh, he speaks to her, which in and of itself yeah. was surprising. In uh, John chapter 4, let's, uh, let's catch it up in verse 20. She says to Jesus, she says, our fathers, and she's a Samaritan, worshipped in this mountain. Now, for them, that would be Mount Gerizim. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you people, she's talking about the Jews, you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now, we want to take a whole segment and talk about where men ought to worship. But we'll have to leave that aside for today. Right. Jesus says, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem Will you worship the Father? You worship that which you do not know. We, the Jews, worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That's a huge deal, because Jesus is telling, of all people, I mean, this is not being proclaimed in the ivory towers of the Jewish Sanhedrin. Jesus is is given away. Hey, here's what here's what real worship is, what God has wanted all along. He's telling a Samaritan woman at the well who's involved in all kinds of who knows what. Right. <laughs> and she's the one who gets the news. But okay. So Jesus says, listen, an hour is coming, so there's gonna be a chain. Worship used to be just a just a physical the act of bowing. And so in Hebrews chapter eleven he records how Jacob worshipped. He leaned on the top of his staff. Yes. It was a physical prostration that showed his submission to God. Later in the Old Testament, after the introduction of the tabernacle and the temple, that was the place where men ought to worship. Something that Jesus confirms here in verse 22 when he said, We Jews worship that which we know. Confirming what the Samaritan woman said, that you Jews say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said, yeah, we got that right. But, he said, an hour is coming. When? It's not going to be that way. It won't be in Mount Gerizim. And, he said, it won't be in Jerusalem. It will be in the church's sanctuary hall. (laughs) Not exactly. No. Not exactly. He said, worship is going to take place in spirit and in truth. It's not going to be in body. It's going to be in spirit. So, their initial act of physical prostration... Or later, their act of participating at the temple on the feast days, those were worship as God revealed it to them at that time. But an hour was coming in which those things were going to be surpassed. God had bigger plans for that. Now we're not going to worship at the physical temple in Jerusalem or anywhere else. He said, now we're going to worship in spirit and in truth. 
You don't have to be a certain place, like the sanctuary. How about the Rock and Worship Roadshow? Uh, let me think about that. Okay, all right. You don't have to be at a certain place in order to worship, any more than you have to be in a certain place in order to be married. God wants us to worship in spirit and in truth. Guys, when we are bound not around, you know, the third finger of our left hand, but around our heart, right. that we're we're in submission to God as the bride of Christ. I'm just as much in submission to God, taking out the trash, as I am on Sunday morning, singing that one more chorus. So really, like he talks about in First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he says, Sanctify Christ, sanctify him as Lord in your hearts. And that really is the essence of what we're talking about. Worship is an attitude where we are, our hearts, our attitude towards God, we are sanctifying him in our heart. And that does not require machinations. It does not require any kind of setup. And if we, I guess the danger that we're talking about here is that if we in our lives, and the question to ask ourselves, if I require those outside accoutrements to get me to sanctify. That was good. You like that, that one? I practiced that just that for you. Accoutrements. <laughs> accoutrements. I couldn't spell it if I had accoutrement. to. Accoutrements. I can't it. say it again if I needed to. But but if we need those things to sanctify him in our hearts, then it's not the real deal. That's right. So that's the bottom line is an attitude. And if we have that attitude, it is life-changing and it is transforming. It's huge. That's a great scripture that you that you bring up because the context of that verse is that he's talking about persecution and he's talking about don't fear the intimidation of this guy or that guy, you know, because hey, Christ is Lord in your hearts. So, I mean, that's not what we generally think of as a great opportunity to worship when you're enduring persecution. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't change. Christ is still Lord in your hearts at that time as much as any other time. So what we're suggesting, fellas, ladies, what we're suggesting is we have a commitment to be internally prostrate before God, spiritually in submission to Him all the time. That your worship goes with you wherever you go. That means while you're listening to this podcast, you're worshiping. Well... Is that a stretch? <laughs> so I'm sorry. But that's it. That's it. Whatever you're doing, when you're in submission to God, you're in worship. That means we worship on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. It doesn't change. For us, <clears throat> worship is an all-in proposition. And it removes the idea that, you know, sometimes we got sold this, that, okay, Sunday is God's day and the rest of the days belong to me. Yeah. That, uh, okay, well, you know, I act this way at this time, but the rest of the time, you know, I'm different at work than I am at home. This concept removes all that because all of a sudden we're worshiping all the time. When are we not supposed to be internally bowed to to God? Exactly. When do we not sanctify him as Lord in our hearts? That is life-changing because now it changes how I live my life. It, it, It affects my choices. It affects my mindset. It affects how I treat my family, how I treat the people around me. Because if I, if I consciously realize, you know what? I am sanctifying the Lord as God in my heart. I'm sanctifying Christ as my Lord right now, today. Today, God, I make the choice to submit to you. All of a sudden, I've brought the Rock and Worship Roadshow 
to my life. Yeah, and it's real. It's real. It's real. It's not something that, you know, you just, I got swept up in the emotion of the thing. Now it's real. It, all, all that stuff is, is fine. It doesn't do it for me personally, but I want to rationally have that kind of relationship with God. That's real. That lasts when everything else is gone. That commitment is still there. And that's the commitment, the relationship that God wants with us. Guys, that is a game changer. It is. I, I Radically. Yeah. Radically. Radically. Changed. So that that's all there is to worship then? We covered everything, right? Well, mostly. Yeah. Not exactly, oh, though. Okay. <laughs> worship is all about being close to to God. Yes. And next week Uh-oh. on Interman Radio, we're going to show you just how close to God you are. It might surprise you. 